They're awesome, aren't they? They're absolutely fabulous. Nev's birthday yesterday. <laughs> was it yesterday, wasn't it? Yeah. We're not going to ask him how old he is. How old is he, Haley? <laughs> I've learned a long time ago that the kids will always give that away. <laughs> so remember that, parents. Uh, I'm sharing a message today on um, community engagement. I'm taking a, a different angle, if you like, because um, being Anzac Day tomorrow, I'm actually going to share about um, my hero when it comes to community engagement. And he's my dad. And uh, I just want to open up with his favourite scripture. This is my dad's favourite scripture. And he lived this scripture and it was really so powerful in his life. Because I'll explain that later on as we go on. Um, Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians 2 verses 8 to 10. And you'll know this scripture. I mean, it's a very famous scripture. Ephesians 2, 8 to 10 says, God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It is the gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things you have done, so none of us can boast about it. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do good things he planned for us long ago. And that's the, that's the deal, isn't it? I mean, we've got to start there because salvation is not about our good works. Salvation is about a gift of grace from Jesus Christ. And everything in God starts there. If you're not a Christian here this morning, you've got to start there at some point. We've all had to start there, and if you're not a Christian, you've got to start there too. We've all got to come to saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. We've all got to be born again believers in Jesus Christ. And that's how it works. But the reality is, after that, we go on a journey. After that, we go on a journey. It's an amazing journey. And it's about good works. And that's where people get confused in Christianity about good works and grace and salvation and free gift and all that stuff. But it is about good works. We're actually doing a good work this morning. We're coming to church. We're here. We're, we're being together. We're doing stuff together. That's a good work. It's not a bad work, is it? You know, I could go and shoot somebody. That would be a bad work. <laughs> Whoa. Oh, I'm, I'm all over the place. I'm... I'm, I'm like a broadcast signal. <laughs> What's happening? <laughs> so that's where we start. And I want to talk about my dad. But if you like, can you imagine that it's 1945? Australia has just been at war for six years. And it is announced. And I don't know, look, this is a bit of a history lesson. If you're not familiar with this story... Australia was under threat by the Japanese army who were imperialistically going south. And we were the great south land that they were after because they wanted to expand their empire because they had a, the most dangerous thing on the planet. We see it with ISIS. We see it with lots of places. Blind idealism. Blind idealism blinds people to, to basically the goodness of God. And it means you implement plans that are ruthless and merciless. And it's horrible. It's called blind idealism. And it's been around for a very long time. But imagine 
Japan are coming south. And, and honestly, I, I apologise if you've got any connection to Japan or whatever. That's not about that either. It's not about saying, oh, the Jap- Japanese were the bad guys. They were just under orders as well. It's, they're coming south and, and you've lived in fear for six years. Because this nation lived in fear. It wasn't like Canada. It wasn't like the US. We actually knew people were coming south. They were in Papua New Guinea. They were next stop, Darwin. My dad was in Darwin when it was bombed. He developed macular degeneration later on in life because he actually was exposed to the flash of the bombs. That was the reason that the eye specialist gave. He res- um, contracted macular degeneration. It's a big word, isn't it? Um, but that's the reason through the bombing at Darwin. Darwin has been destroyed twice in the Second World War and in Cyclone Tracy. I'm not sure. I think the first time was the worst because explosions are really ruthless. Um, so, yeah. Imagine it's 1945 and the war has just ended and you've just heard about it. And why I want to say this this morning is I want to draw our attention to Jesus Christ. Imagine the elation that people felt when they heard that the war had ended. That's the victory we have in Jesus, but so much more. At that point, that's the victory. The end of war, the end of struggle, the end of fear. Victory. That's the victory we have in the cross. It's a powerful victory. And that first Easter Sunday morning when the stone was rolled away, that's the end of the war. Right there. That's the idealism I've got. That victory. The end of war, the end of suffering, the end of fear. The end of destruction and killing. The victory of the cross. And um, I'm going to ask Nikki to to give the altar call after this. And I just want you to know she's coming up soon. (laughs) I thought the freedom that we even experience today in this nation is the freedom to be passionate for Jesus. And I can't imagine and think of anybody more passionate for Jesus than Nikki. And I'm thinking, that's the freedom that was bought. (laughs) It's true, isn't it, Paul? You don't know anybody more passionate. I don't know anybody who expresses her passion for Jesus any more than Nikki. It's real. And I wanted her to share the altar call because that freedom is what it's all about. That freedom to be able to be passionate. I was even thinking this morning as we were worshipping. I thought if, if the... And, you know, this, this is the truth. You often hear Nev says the devil always overplays his hand. If the Japanese hadn't invaded, uh, sorry, attacked Pearl Harbor, we'd all be Japaneseized now, if that's a word. Because that brought America into the Second World War and saved Australia. It saved Australia. We would be under Japanese rule if they hadn't overstepped the mark and brought the US into the war. And that's how they did it. They attacked Pearl Harbor. And they thought they were invincible. And the devil always thinks he's invisible. That's his nature. Whenever he's behind something, something is always overplayed because he's full of pride. And everything acts according to the fact that nothing can stop him. But it always works against him. 
And what the devil meant for harm, God always turns around for good. And before that time, see, before those days, Australia didn't have a connection to the US. Australia was an English Commonwealth nation that was connected to England. And before that time in the war, that's when it all changed and we became really good allies with America at that point. And that was a strategic change in our international relations. And ever since then, we've been kind of connected to America in, in, a, in a more aligned way. How does this all relate to community engagement? <laughs> That's a good question, isn't it? <laughs> it is a good question. Well, my dad was in the Australian Armed Services. What does that mean? And I hear you asking, what does that mean? <laughs> Services is a good description of what they were doing in the Second World War. They were serving this nation. And that has a lot to do with community engagement because when you serve somebody, you are engaging with them in supporting them and helping them and looking out for them. So in, in a situation where... It wasn't like um, a lot of the wars that have happened since where there's an unknown reason for why we do what we do. They actually knew exactly what they were doing. They were stopping an enemy army trying to take over our country. And the stories they heard about the Japanese, and I do apologise, I'm not having a go at the Japanese, it's just in the Second World War, the Japanese army were absolutely merciless. They were ruthless. And my dad told me the reason he was over fighting in the war was to stop them raping our, our families and wives and all that, and killing and all that sort of stuff. They were really, it was real. They had a motivation. And the motivation was to look after the people back here. They were all over there risking their lives fighting on for something that was for back here. And what I want to share is now with my dad is that that attitude of life, he just kept on going with that when he came back. Um, I, I just want to list a few of the things my dad... And this is really... <laughs> this is quite... <laughs> it's quite overwhelming because if you hear what I'm about to share, you'll think, who was this guy? Because it's awesome. Seriously awesome. And not just because he's my dad. You'll think the same thing. I know you will. I'll go through the list of things that he was involved in when he came back from the war. Um, and actually, before he was in the war, he was um, involved in the Surf Life Saving Club at Byron Bay. He was a lifeguard in Byron. Um, but I just, I just ra they're all random because I've just written them down as they came to me. He was a member of the Banglo Garden Club. And that might not sound much, but he, he was an avid environmentalist and he felt the way to tend gardens and all that, he was connecting with his, his environment. And he, after he became a Christian, he like worshipped the Lord through, and he won prizes for his garden. He was an amazing gardener. Uh, my mother was mainly, but he just, him and mum sort of did it. You ever notice this about gardens, how the, the wife always dictates what happens and the husband always does it? <laughs> That's how gardens work, aren't they? <laughs> I think this needs doing it's true, isn't it? Women make great planners for gardens. <laughs> Don't they, Nev? <laughs> um, he was a, 
this is a real connection I have with him in the community. Um, he was a coach. I, I got involved in soccer at the Bangalore um, Junior Soccer Club in Bangalore. And he became a coach. He became my coach. And that was good and bad because he was my father and he always made it tougher for me than anyone else in the team. So if you are going to coach a team, try to coach someone else's kids. <laughs> That's my <laughs> advice to you <laughs> from being on the other end. And, you know, he meant well too, but he just made it difficult for me and I get dropped and it always seemed to be harder for me to make the grade. Um, but that was okay because I knew what he was on about. He didn't want to appear to be favouring me. Um, he became the president of the Bangalore Junior Soccer Club. And at that time, he was sort of instrumental in, in um, the Bangalore sports fields. You know the Bangalore sports field in Bangalore? Anyone not know where they are? The YWMers probably don't know where that is. But in Bangalore, there's this huge expanse of land that's the Bangalore sports fields. And he was a driver behind that happening. One of them, not the only one, of course, but he was a, always a part of a team. Um, he was the secretary of the Bangalore Primary School PNC for many years. Um, these are all just random. He was a volunteer at Ferros Care uh, Nursing Home and he won Volunteer of the Year at 92. Um, he was on the Bangalore Hospital Board as treasurer for many years. Uh, he was four years in the Australian Armed Services in New Guinea and Borneo. He was a signaller and he actually played a strategic role in the Battle of the Coral Sea because he was involved in the, what we call the telecommunications. He was on the islands and there'd be a chain of command of, of back and forwards. So the whole thing, he was a part of that whole battle. Um, he knew what was happening, you know, before it happened. Um, he was involved in the Bangalore RSL, but he, this is an interesting story about my dad, and this is something that, that he wouldn't have shared in latter years, but when I was growing up, he wasn't involved in the Bangalore RSL. He actually didn't march. He didn't do any of that stuff because he hated war. He really hated it because it took him a long time to get over the fact that killing and destruction, and he'd seen so much of it, that he couldn't in any way recognise himself with it. And I used to watch, you remember on the ABC, the old black and whites, and I'd see them marching, and he'd say, turn that off, I don't want to watch that. He wasn't interested. But God, when he became a Christian, God sort of healed that, where he then joined the RSL, and I think one of my proudest moments of looking at him was um, <sighs> him getting over that and and being in his old age, like the last time, I still remember the last time he ever marched in Anzac Day. He was driven on a, in a jeep down the street of Bangalore. And, you know, it's the pride in his eyes. Yeah. Sorry, this, a lot of this is really personal. I, I, you'd have to forgive me. And, of course, he loved um, his Anglican church at Bangalore. And there's a funny story because my mother had always been a Christian. She'd been a Christian from a little girl. I can always remember the difference in my mum and dad. And this is an encouragement of, to sp um, spouses who uns have unsaved spouses. Uh, my mother was a Christian right through my... And my dad wasn't. I think my father had had bad experiences with church because his father was a lay preacher in a denomination and 
He was also a drunkard that used to come home after being at the pub and beat them senseless. And my dad was the eldest son. And he used to take the, the brunt of it. And I think he sort of equated that Christianity and alcoholism and the, the mix of that. And I think he turned his back on the church at that point. Not that he turned his back on, on hating Christians. He was not like that, but he just didn't believe at that point. And he had to work through that stuff. And it's not like he's this super person that just didn't work through issues. He had issues, um, as we all do. We've all got to work through our stuff. And he had to work through that. Um, it's funny, like, when he, be, he got into the Anglican Church because he'd been, a, he'd been um, involved in the Methodist Church, I think was his background. And he got involved in the Anglican Church because my brother had got into trouble with the law and this really sweet old Anglican rector had helped my dad and gone to court on his behalf and done all these things. And my dad thought, well, there must be something in this, you know. And this is what I really encourage you, you know, acts of kindness really have the ability to heal the most deep hurt. You know, they really do. Don't underestimate your acts of kindness. Kindness can heal the wounds that could be there for a lifetime. Don't underestimate kindness. This old guy, he'd, he'd supported my brother. He went to court, spoke up on his behalf. And my dad thought, oh, well, I might give this Christianity a bit of a go. So he started going to the Anglican church. And at that time, my mother was still going to the Methodist church. And she eventually joined him in the Anglican church because my dad was regular. He was, like, really committed. And um, <laughs> he started getting involved in everything. And um, eventually, he went to a, a thing called Casillo, which is, like, um, with my mum, which is sort of like the Emmaus Walk that's in the Uniting Church, where it's a, it's a retreat they have with the Holy Spirit. My dad got filled with the Holy Spirit. And, you know, his life just... Like, he'd always been a good man, but now he was different, if you know what I mean. Now he's actually somebody who had a reason for what he did. And there's a big difference for just doing stuff by, by being driven to do good things and having a reason to be good to people. And it's because of the goodness of God that it was in his life through the Holy Spirit. Um, and he was involved in all sorts of things in his church. He was also involved in the Masonic Lodge at Bangalore for many years. And I want to share this because I really, this is something I really want to admire him for. He left that. And he left that because I'd shared with him and my mum had shared with him that we thought, hey, this is not right. And he had awesome connections. He had a great network socially, the whole deal. But this is the kind of guy he was. If you could convince him of something that was wrong and he believed it, he loved the Lord, that was it. It wasn't a question of if it's right or, if it's right or wrong, it's wrong, it's wrong. And he left that and never went back. That's the sort of thing... He, that I believe God really looks for. Are you really teachable? You know, none of us know it all. He didn't know it all. He just entered into that through his own wanting to be with other people. You know, it's a great thing, the Masonic Lodge, in the sense that men get in together. It's like a big men's shed. But that's what it is. It's, it's, and that's why he was there. And I'm sure that's why many people are involved in that organisation, is they're just getting together with other men because men need to be with each other. There's certain things that men have to be together. 
Um, and I think that was the biggest thing that my dad found in the Second World War was all the mateship that the men had over there to, um, you know, in the, in the war fighting together. They were together. And there's a bonding and a camaraderie that's, I don't think you can find anywhere else other than that circumstance because it's a life and death friendship. My dad had his best friend killed in the, uh, what's the, the, the bombing of the dam busters? He was an Australian pilot in the dam busters and he was shot down um, in the dam buster situation. But it was funny, like he used to talk about him and like you could see that's the sort of thing that wars do. There's a sadness that comes when that's how it affects you. When loved ones are taken from you, it's really powerful. Because you then, I could see a lot of the things he was doing then were like, I'm doing this for him, doing this for him. You know, they start, and my dad was, um, had a, what I call a servant at heart. And I think servant hearts come from people who, who have suffered loss. They have suffered loss because servanthood is about seeing, well, it's not about me. I'm going to do something for somebody else. And that's what community engagement is about, having a servant attitude to help and serve other people. And I'm sure my dad had that. I'm sure that's where I get a little bit. I don't, I don't even set myself up anywhere near. I feel really guilty compared to my dad when it comes to community engagement. Uh, he was the bang, a member of the Bangalow A&I Show Society. He's a member of the Byron Bay Rotary Club. And I remember having exchange students in our house as a kid. Like, you'd have them in, you think, who are these people? <laughs> my dad would my dad'd bring them in and they'd be from other nations. It's like, why wear them in your own house? <laughs> it's crazy. But that's what wrote me. He used to, well, we always used to have exchange students. Um, he worked at the Bangalore Anglican Op Shop. <laughs> Interesting, isn't it? <laughs> He worked one day a week there for ages. I think when he retired from his work, which he worked um, for the Department of Ag, <laughs> and after he retired from he worked one day a week there till he couldn't do it any longer. And that's what I know about my dad. He did things till he couldn't physically do anything more. That's when he stopped doing things, when he couldn't do it. Um, he never found excuses. He never found he didn't have enough time. A lot of these things he did while he was actually working. Like, I can remember my dad, he'd never be there at nights. Like, he'd be at this meeting this month or whatever. He'd always be out doing something. And it was a credit to my mother because she just basically, like, he'd be at work through the day, he'd come home and eat and he'd go. And, like, he'd be back late at night and that's how he lived, you know. Um, because he had a real desire to serve his community. He loved, I tell you what, don't get between my dad and Bangalore. <laughs> I just want you to know, I don't think anybody has ever loved that town more than my, my dad. Um, now also, when he retired, Denise and I had our two... He, he babysat my son, Samuel, and also Naomi after school. He did that for how many years? Five, every day of the week. Like, we just... We'd, on the way to work, we'd drop off. He babysat our son, who was a little... Two-year-old? He was two-year-old till he went to school. He babysat my son. Um, mum didn't really do it because Dad used to do it because Mum was um, not as well as Dad was. But Dad used to just look after my son. 
there's a real connection. Denise will tell you, my son, he just thinks my dad, my old, well, Pa, who's no longer with us, of course, but he thought his Pa was the most amazing man. Um, and you can see it in Samuel's nature at times. I see my dad. It's weird, you know, because he was with him so for so long. Uh, he was on the Bangalore Scout Committee. <laughs> do, do I want to go down the list of things that he actually... There was no, I don't think there was a community group in Bangalore he didn't belong to. Um, what I will say is that he was involved in all these community groups and all these community activities, and we probably missed some. But he's also church commitment involvement was not affected by that he went to every meeting he could go to i remember he was when um i remember the group the the wasn't a links group they're just a fellowship group at hal's place hal saxon who neville and sue know anybody know hal saxon probably not because he was he passed away not long after neville and sue arrived here but we used to go to a, a fellowship group and my mum and dad would, would just stroll up like my mum could hardly walk. She'd broken a hip, the whole thing. But mum and dad would always be there. And, and that's where they got to know Hal so well. They got to know Hal around the word of God and their next door neighbour. And it was a, I'm sure they were instrumental in the whole thing of Hal, um, um, you know, just coming to know the Lord. I want to share a scripture now and... It's, it's a scripture, I think, that personifies his life. And it's John chapter 13. And I think he learnt the secret of this scripture. John 13, and it's a few verses, it's 1 to 17. And it's Jesus washing his disciples' feet. Verse 13, verse 1. Before the Passover celebration, Jesus knew that his hour had come to leave this world and return to his Father. He had loved his disciples during his ministry on earth, and now he loved them to the very end. It was time for supper, and the devil had already prompted Jesus, Judas, son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had given him authority over everything, and that he had come from God and would return to God. So he got up from the table, took off his robe, wrapped a towel around his waist and poured water into a basin. Then he began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with the towel he had around him. And when Jesus came to Simon Peter, Peter said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? And Jesus replied, you don't understand now what I'm doing, but someday you will. No, Peter protested, you will never, ever wash my feet. Jesus replied, unless I wash you, you won't belong to me. Simon Peter exclaimed, then wash my hands and head as well, and Lord, not just my feet. And Jesus replied, a person who has been bathed all over does not need to wash except for the feet to be entirely clean. And you disciples are clean, but you, not all of you. For Jesus knew who would betray him and that it and that is what he meant when he said, not all of you are clean. After washing their feet, he put on the robe again and sat down and asked, do you understand what I'm doing? You call me teacher and Lord, and you're right because that's what I am. 
And since I am your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you ought to wash each other's feet. I have given you an example to follow. Do as I have done to you. I tell you the truth, slaves are no greater, are not greater than their master, nor is the messenger more important than the one who sends the message. Now that you know these things, God will bless you for doing them. And I think the secret to Christianity is right there. In servanthood, there is a blessing from God. We're saved. See, we're already clean. But in Christianity, if you take on the role of a servant, you will be blessed. You will be blessed. Now that you know these things, God will bless you for doing them. That's what I say about created for good works. There's a part of Christianity that, yes, we're saved. But the good works of servanthood brings a blessing. It brings a blessing. I know my own life, my dad, he left a blessing. You know, when he's 95, at his funeral, every, the Bangalore-Anglican church is packed because his community, his community loved him. A story. This is a story that's so out left field. It's unbelievable. He used to, every Thursday morning, go for a walk. Well, he'd go for a walk every morning, but on Thursday mornings, he used to put in the garbage bins after the garbage bins were... He used to put in 71 garbage bins that we know of. He'd put them in for people before they got up. <laughs> he used to just do that. 71 garbage bins. It's bizarre. It's so bizarre that people used to think the council had paid him to do it. <laughs> people had thought that somehow this is a special thing about living in Byron Shire. It, it affected people. It's weird, isn't it? Who would do that? My dad. He did do it every week. Every week. It had an impact. Acts of service done in the love of Jesus affect people that's community engagement that's all it is right there it's about acts of service done in the love of jesus washing the disciples feet and i see that as everybody not just christians i see that as everyone god so loved the world that he came into this world to die for it an act of service an act of service God's heart is full of servanthood. He's not Lord. And this is, this is holiness. He would be unholy if he was Lord and a ruthless tyrant, wouldn't he? That would be unholy. But servanthood explains to the world his holiness. It explains to the world his holiness. Because there's nothing in it for God. There's nothing in it for us. When there's nothing in it for you, it's actually true love. And in that true love is true holiness. And that's where conviction comes. The world is so anti the church, so anti Jesus. But the love of God can change that. Like, like that little Anglican, he was, he was 
70 or something. He was like an old guy himself. But he showed my father an act of kindness that went, went a long way to healing a lot of the hurts he had in his life. Look for opportunities to be kind. That's our ministry. Look for opportunities to be kind. And God will open up the doors for you. Because that's where the blessing is. Look for opportunities to be kind to people. Soft-hearted, soft-spoken. When they react in, you know, she's not here, I can't see her, but, you know, Denise has had a few times at Bay FM where she's had people raise up in her face like angry as, you know, like a snake about to strike. And she's just held her tongue. Okay. Softly spoken, not reacting out of our flesh, acting out of the Holy Spirit, turns away wrath, allows the kingdom to extend and brings healing. That's how it works. You know, we're not out there badge, you know, banging big Bibles over people. We're not like that. We're, s- we're loving people. And as we do that, we engage with them because they are hungry for it. They're like looking for a meal, their first meal ever. That's what like being saved is. It's like your first real meal. The rubbish this world has dished up, I'm sick of it. I want my first meal on planet Earth. That's why we celebrate the Last Supper. You know, it's like our first real meal. We can remember Jesus Christ's goodness towards us. It's amazing. Nikki, you want to share? Don't you just love Nikki? She's so... The passion. I mean, I'm, I'm an excitable guy too, so I relate to it. <laughs> <laughs> love it. Don't you just love Don? Yeah. Hey. Thanks, Don. Don's definitely someone who shows honour, hey. You show honour really well, Donnie. Thank you so much. I love it. Well, this is a surprise. It's nice to be back up here. Thanks, worship team. We can get started. But I love, um, you know, just prior to Anzac Sunday, uh, Donnie shared that scripture um, from John 13 where Jesus um, washes the feet of the disciples because it's the most radical scripture in terms of servanthood. Because, and we think about that in Anzac Day, it's these men who, and women who laid down their lives for freedom and ultimately for you and for me. Okay, they had the future generations in mind when they did what they did. And it was the ultimate act of servanthood. They served their country, they served you, and they served me. And so, Donnie, thank you for taking us to this scripture where Jesus comes and he completely redefines what servanthood is. John 13, he gets down, he redefines what servanthood looks like, and he takes it from an inferior position to a superior position. And he says, this is what love looks like. This is what we need to look like. And I just want to read, like, my favourite part in this is where he does what he does and he washes their feet, the feet of the disciples. And then he says, you are clean. Okay, but just prior to that, he says, um, you know, you know what Peter's like. He's excitable too. And he's like, no, 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 what, you know, I can't, you can't wash my feet. You're too good. You're too holy. You're too amazing. And Jesus says, now listen up, unless I wash you. Unless 
I wash you. You have no part in me. Because here's the thing, our feet take us places in life. Our feet, we travel by our feet. And you know what? They get dirty in those days. The disciples, they wore sandals and they would travel. They'd go here, there. They would go by foot and their feet would get dirty, okay? So they needed to be cleaned, to be comfortable and enter into the house. And so Jesus comes and it's a picture of humanity. It's a picture of our lives, our journey in this thing called life. Our sin makes us dirty. It makes us unclean and it actually makes us unfit for the presence of God because He's holy and He's perfect and He's good. It makes us unfit for the presence of God. It's kind of like the sun. You know, the sun is powerful and it's good and in fact our entire world revolves around it and we need it and it's amazing but the closer you get, the more dangerous it gets. It's so powerful, you're more likely to die the close to die the closer you get to the sun. The closer you get to God, the more dangerous it gets. But do you know what this scripture paints a picture for you and me? Jesus came to earth to make us fit for the presence of God. He literally did what is impossible. He did what is impossible. He took you and me and every person in humanity and he made it possible to enter the holy, perfect, good presence of God. You could never do that, my friend. You could never do that because not one of us is righteous. Not one of us is sinless or perfect like Jesus Christ. Not one of us could accomplish that. But Jesus Christ came to do what you and I could not do. He came and He washed our feet. And do you know how He washes our feet? By the waters of the Holy Spirit. In fact, one chapter later, He talks about the Spirit of truth coming. And living within us. And I just got to read it to you in John 14. It says this, but you know him, talking of the Spirit, for he lives with you and will be in you. And if you're in here this morning, I want to tell you if you're in sin, that is, if you've never given your life to Jesus Christ, you are unfit for the presence of God. But here's the good news this is the gospel that He's done what you can't do. He's already accomplished on the cross what you could never accomplish. He has made you to be fit for His presence. And all you have to do is say, Yes. Yes, Jesus, make me clean. Give me the Spirit of God. Come and wash me clean of all my mistakes. Come on, is that good news, church? Why don't you stand this morning? Why don't you stand up? We're going to continue to worship. But if you're here this morning and you've never given your life to Jesus Christ, well, you know what? The opportunity is here. We couldn't do these Sunday services without giving you an opportunity to be washed clean by the power of the Holy Spirit. It gives you a new start, gives you a new life. In fact, the Bible says today is the day of salvation. And when you are cleaned by the Holy Spirit, the Bible says you are a new creation. You are a new creation because my spirit lives in you. And you know what? It doesn't matter. You might keep making mistakes and you're going to keep on sinning, but... The power of the Holy Spirit says you are clean. You are clean. Every time you make a mistake, the Holy Spirit says you are clean. I have made you clean. You are a new creation and you are fit for my presence. Hallelujah. Is that good news, ladies and gentlemen, this morning? Come on, why don't you make a sound? Why don't you make a sound? This is the gospel. This is the gospel. Hallelujah. He has conquered death. He has conquered sin. He has made us clean and He has served us. He laid down His life, as Donnie talked about, so that we could be free. That we could be free. Hallelujah. I'm going to pray. And in this morning, if you want to 
make a response to that offer, to that good news. Why don't you come forward? If you need prayer this morning, why don't you come forward? If you want to just come into the presence of God this morning, whatever, why don't you come forward? Let's worship today. Let's worship. Let's raise our hands. Let's sing. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you so much for what you've done. Thank you, Lord, that you've sent your son, Jesus Christ, to lay down his life so that we could live. You sent your Holy Spirit so that we could live. We could be free, that we could be called the new creation, that we could be clean. Lord, thank you for serving us, God. We want to serve like you served us, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen.